Rise and shine, Mr. Freeman. Rise and shine. Welcome, everybody, to a special end-of-the-year episode of Mouse and Joystick. I'm your moderator, Lou and Kyle, and as always, joined by my lovely co-hosts, Lou and Cube, and The Big No. How are the two of you doing this fine evening? Doing fantastic. Yeah, I'm doing pretty great. It's the day after Christmas, and everyone's in good spirits. It is the day after Christmas, and I gotta ask, how how were your Christmases? Like, we didn't really do anything over Christmas, so this is like the first time I've talked to you guys since then. That was pretty good. I got to see all the family and some friends. So overall, yeah. I'd say it was pretty good. Yeah, you know, seeing family is always a double-edged sword. So <laughs> it, went, it went it went as good as it could have gone. That's good to hear. Yeah, that, that's my number one thing. As long as I get to see my family over Christmas, then it's worth it in the end. It's not about the presents or the the spirit of everything else. It, that's what matters to me right there. But yeah, so since we're past Christmas. The next thing we're looking forward to is uh, New Year's. It's just a couple of days away. And that means we're just a couple of days away from 2016 finally being over. And uh, <laughs> what a ride it's been. Like, just, just aside, yeah. gaming aside, 2016 has been kind of a terrible year. Just in general, but... Yeah. When looking specifically at how it's been for video games, I kind of want to know just just really quickly, like, how would you summarize that? Would you think did you think it was kind of a good year? Maybe not as good as previous years. Like, how would you just quickly summarize 2016 as far as gaming goes? Um, I think uh, Webster summed it up pretty well, and I think their word of the year was surreal. Surreal. Ooh, nice. I think it's kind of a sobering moment for everybody. A lot of the I, world events and political nonsense going on. Yeah. I uh, I think that in video games, video games definitely really helped me get through this year, to be honest. Um, mm-hmm. Because besides the fact that uh, there were a lot of bad games, I won't name names yet, um and we'll there were there were those select few that definitely got me through the year and uh the the start of the year was a good takeoff then there was a lull in the middle of the year and then we we ended this year pretty pretty decent on video games i gotta say i would agree with that i would agree with that so one of my favorite things when it comes to the end of the year is just kind of putting together lists i know some people don't like lists having a very specific numerical value attached to something. It's not always a good idea, but I think they're still kind of fun to do. And so I thought it would be a kind of a cool idea if we each put together some of our, our own lists of what our favorite games of this year were. Um, before we get to that though, there's a couple of, a uh, couple of news, a couple of events that I kind of want to go through Rel- relatively briefly. Cause they're, they're not super big or anything like that. Um, the first one I want to mention 
because this is a game we've mentioned a lot in the show before, was uh, an update to Stardew Valley, Stardew Valley's console releases. Uh, it's now out on PS4 and Xbox One, and they did. The developer didn't say that he's going to be canceling the Wii U version in favor of creating a Switch version. Good idea. Which, yeah, in my opinion, that's a match made in heaven right there. I think Stardew Valley on the Switch is very dangerous. <laughs> just because of how addictive that game can be at times. It'll, yeah, it'll be good, to be honest. I, I, I never really thought about playing that on the, on the Switch, but, you know, because... But now that now that I think about it, yeah, that'd be I'm like yeah, that's a that's a great game to play if I'm that, just like on a long car ride or something. Yeah, that'd be that'd definitely be a game I would play. Just you know, if even if I didn't have internet or whatever, it's definitely a game you could play anytime. Right. So uh, that's uh, it's gonna be something to look forward to next year as uh, the Switch starts rolling out. Uh, and the other piece of news I want to mention was the fact that Crytek, after a rough year will be closing five of its development studios. I don't know if I have a name of their studios here or not, but um, the reason why they were shutting down so many development studios was so that they could focus on uh, the quote-unquote core components that is Crytek. So basically what they're going to be doing now is they're just focusing on developing the CryEngine and then uh. creating first-party titles to showcase that CryEngine like another crisis or another rise, Son of Rome, stuff like that. I think they also have a VR game in the works called Robinson the Journey, which is pretty good, but I don't know too much about it. I haven't uh, actually taken a look at it yet because I don't have any VR components to to view it with. But there's that. So it's unfortunate to see that a lot of game developers were laid off just before Christmas, but sometimes that's the sad reality of the world. Uh, and then uh, other things I want to talk about, the events that happened recently. So uh, Jeff Kelly's The Game Awards happened. It was it was full of some cringy moments, but uh, overall it was, it was kind of cool. So we got a lot of new trailers coming out of that, including... Every, um, yeah. I was just going to say, every time there's a bunch of nerds slash geeks slash whatever you want to call yourself, <laughs> there's always cringy moments. Every, every it's time. like we're all socially awkward with something. I don't know what you're talking about. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, so true, though. It never ceases to amaze me how that happens every single time. <laughs> Just we're not used to talking to people, and then we're in, and then everyone's in front in front of people at a giant like get together, and it's everyone's just like, "Whoa, why are there so many people here, and why are they dressed <laughs> up?" And oh, there's so many people. Oh, yeah. Um, no, but uh. I think it. I think it's kind of cool that Jeff Kelly is still trying to put it on the show, even though he does not have like the backing from Spike TV or anything like that anymore. He's he's trying really hard to get put on by himself with uh, helping from other advertising. But um, I thought the show was pretty entertaining overall. And uh, like I said, we got some cool new footage for uh, stuff like the Legend of Zelda, Death Stranding, uh, the new Prey game, Halo Wars Two, and stuff like that. So. That was uh, that was pretty cool. I was glad to see that stuff happening. Um, I won't go over everything that happened during the show or all the awards that went out, but uh, if there were a couple of select presentations, I would uh, probably recommend watching. I would say anything having to related to Overwatch, 
Uh, so like the end of the year, or I think there was a multiplayer award they got as well, where the developers came on stage and were talking about the future of Overwatch. So that was pretty cool. Uh, another one I'd recommend was the Industry Icon Award and uh, Hideo Kojima coming on stage and talking about that for a little while. Uh, another good one to watch uh, would actually be the presentation for Games for Impact. Uh, the, the developer of the game that won came on stage and he was just in tears talking about the series of events in his life that led to the development of his game. And it was just kind of a big tearjerker, so that was that was pretty nice to see. Seeing him get the recognition he deserved for that. Uh, but did you guys have any moments from the Game Awards you thought were worth noting? Or does that kind of cover most of the good ones? I don't know. I was <clears throat> slightly disappointed with uh, Overwatch taking so many awards. but Fair enough. Basically I, I, all I got from that. I think you pretty much covered it. Uh, I mean... Obviously, if you missed it, didn't know what was going on, and you wanted to know these things, go ahead and go watch it. It'll all be—you'll be able to find it somewhere pretty easily. And yeah, I think it's all on YouTube now, so it should be pretty easy to find. Yeah, and if you have never heard of any of the games that won uh, um, the awards, most of them are definitely games to check out for sure, yeah. or developers that won things. Yeah, I don't—I so. don't strongly disagree with any of the awards that were given out. Uh, all the Game of the Year nominees were deserving of the nominee at the very least, so that was that was fine. Um, the couple of days after that event, the PlayStation held its uh, annual PlayStation Experience, basically just like a mini E3 like event where they just come on stage and they're just talking about upcoming games and upcoming things to get excited for. Uh, so come, some of the big takeaways from that show. Um, were the announcement of the new Uncharted Lost Legacy, which is like a standalone DLC Uncharted thing. It's like a it's a standalone Uncharted game, but it's going to be like a smaller scale version of it. So that's, that's kind of cool. Uh, Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite was announced. So for fans of the fighting genre, uh, that's a big one. They've been looking forward to that for a while. Uh, that two, the unexpected announcement of a sequel to a launch title that no one saw coming. And the thing that a lot of people saw coming eventually, and we're still super excited when it finally did happen, including myself, and I will sing the praises of this trailer until the end of time. But we finally <laughs> got an official announcement for The Last of Us Part 2. Mm. Oh, so excited. So excited. Uh, how, about, how about you, Mike? I know you're also a really big fan of The Last of Us, like myself. Yeah, considering I had ju I just finished this month, I um I replayed The Last of Us and then I finally did the DLC. I'm very much looking forward to this game and seeing, you know, what happened to Ellie and Joel in the meantime between these and, you know, I mean, she got a tat she obviously got a tattoo. She's grown up a lot. Mm -hmm. Uh so excited for this uh seeing what they're gonna take with take it i mean obviously she wants to kill people now or someone at least <laughs> something um, <laughs> ellie's angry <laughs> ellie's angry don't get in her way uh, i mean and now now that joel is like he's old older at least uh i don't i don't know they they there's so many 
ways they could go with this. And the fact that like they cover they crossed like half the country in the last game. The fact what they could go anywhere in this. Yeah, they almost practically honest. went coast to coast in that last game. Yeah. I want to hear your opinion on the title. It's not The Last of Us 2. It's not The Last of Us The Return. It's Last of Us Part 2. Does that does that mean anything to you? Does it feel, feel you with like... a sort of a, like confidence? I I don't know about the title. I I think I that that feels like uh I feel like that'd be in the title of like a, a giant DLC for it. Mm-hmm. You know, not the title of the next game for it. Maybe it's just because they're saying they are not. They're staying with Ellie and Joel. I feel like maybe Last of Us, if they, instead of putting the part in there, if they would have just put Last of Us 2, it could have been in the same universe, but with other people, you know? Right. So I think it's just specifically saying that they're sticking with Joel and Ellie, or at least jo- Ellie. Maybe not Joel. Maybe Joel's too old. Right, now. yep. We'll Cause, see. Because whenever I hear of a sequel being part whatever... I always think to some of the greatest movie sequels of all time, like The Godfather Part 2 and stuff like that. Yeah. And to me, when you're calling something Part 2, it's not just a continuation of a previous story or a continuation of a different, in the same world, but it's a continuation that's necessary. Like, yeah. that first one, people were like, oh my god, it ends so well. It, it's such a complete story. I hope they never make a sequel. I don't want them to tarnish the the way the first one ended. But when you call this one part two, to me, that's like Naughty Dog's like, hey, we know the first part ended really good, but that was that is actually only half the story. There's still another half you need to experience before you get the complete story. Or third. Or third. I, yeah, or a third of the story. I can, I can only take so much excitement right now, okay? I, uh, I, I agree, and honestly, uh, having just relived the end of the last of us again i have to say that this part two definitely definitely was a need like it's not just oh we want this to happen it was a need for the story like i there's so many questions at the end obviously there's so much speculation to what happened i won't spoil it for anyone who hasn't seen the end because if you haven't played slash seen this game you need it you need to especially before the another the next one comes out and I have I have so many questions that I want answered by this next game. Not saying they will or they will directly answer those questions, but I, I don't know. We shall I, see. I'm, I'm already in waiting like I was when the first part, when the <laughs> Last of Us Part 1 came out. I have a lot of faith in, Con- in Naughty Dog's ability to deliver oh, yeah. on, this, on this game. So take your time. Do what you need to do. Just just make sure it's uh, it's polished and it's up to your standards, and then I'll gladly play it on day one. That that's that's where I think. Yeah. All right, but yeah, that, that that's just kind of like a quick uh, quick summary of a couple of things that's happened since the last time we uh, we did the show. Uh, so I want to move on now and start talking about 2016 and start recapping some of the stuff that happened. Uh, before we start talking about the positives, though, let's talk about some of the negatives, some of the things that ended up being kind of disappointing to us. Um, 
couple of bad releases, a couple of bad changes in the the gaming industry as a whole. I kind of wanted to mention, but let's talk about the biggest one. I think I think this is the one that everyone's going to point to when they think about the lows of 2016. And to me, that's No Man's Sky and all the lies that Sean Murray was talking about the game before the release. This is a, it's honestly the in gaming history. It's it's definitely going to go down in gaming history as very uh, infamous. How not to market your game? Oh God! (laughs) Yeah, it's like it's like those. It's it's literally like those movie trailers that say that are like for action movies. They show you, and then you see literally every action scene in the trailer. And then when you actually go see the movie, those are the only action scenes in the movie. <laughs> it's kind of like that, yeah. Except for you, they, except for in this one, not even all the scenes made it to the movie <laughs> <laughs> because. Oh my gosh. I was so excited for No Man's Sky. So excited. It looked amazing. I already liked, you know, the whole mining thing. And then the fact that they were randomly generated amazing creatures that could vary in being giant down to little, down to fish, flying like birds and dinosaur looking things to mammal looking things. And then they just come out and it's like, hey, none of that's in the game. (laughs) <laughs> None of that's in the game. Everything is the same except for this one has a different head. The only this animals are the deer-like color. things. Yeah, and and like there are technically infinite planets, but you can't go back to old ones. You are only farming for ships and equipment slots, and the end of the game isn't. There's sort of an end, and there's sort of not, and then it's just like, nope, you were wrong. This is a dream, basically. i so much went wrong with this game they're trying they are trying i'll give them that uh hello games has released at least one big patch for the game so far to add new content new features so that good on them for that they could have easily just taken all the earnings from this and ran and hit away and tried changing their name but uh, they, they haven't done that at least as far as we know we're still trying. Not yet. Although I, we still haven't heard from Sean Murray yet. He's still in hiding, I think. <laughs> they, they have no more credibility when it comes to games. Unless they can fix No Man's Sky completely, which you yeah, you won't be able to do. I, I guarantee it. I mean, um, yeah. even then, I'm not going to be purchasing any other games around uh, launch ever. Yeah. I will watch someone else play it almost all the way through before I even decide to buy one of their games because... The amount of people that bought that game, bought that game, and then were like, "I want a refund," like immediately, ridiculous. And that's that's you are. We we trust we trust game uh people who make games so much nowadays. The only ones you should be wary on are people who make indie games because they don't have as much funding and they don't they can't make the perfect games. But these guys had. Not a lot of money because they were. I mean, you know, they were backed by Sony for the most part. Exactly, That's pretty. Like, big, they had the money big to do right there, and they they just they didn't they didn't mess up. And so many people, like it's it's hard in the video game industry because to to be able to experience the game, you have to buy it, and then you're screwed if it's not good. 
you can't return it. I mean, you can sort of, but a lot of the return type return things are not that great. So where if you return it like the next day, you're still not going to get your full price back unless you really yell at people. And then when, if you're, if you bought it online, you could be screwed. I was not able to return no man's sky. I still have it. it <laughs> it's a, it was Are you going to go back to it when the update or with the update. I I'd be willing to give it a chance after another big update. The uh, the one the most recent update, there was not quite enough in there that was uh, substantial enough for me to want to try it again. But I will give them the benefit of the doubt and give it a try in the future since I already own the game. But like if they start releasing paid DLC, there's no way I'm buying it. They don't have the they don't have the right. To, <laughs> they don't have the right to make you pay for anything else. <laughs> right. <laughs> so that's that's kind of where I stand on that. Um. Did you did you guys want to mention anything else with uh, No Man's Sky there, or did we kind of just cover everything? All the lies, all I'll the, stop. All the, I'll uh, stop the disappointment. <laughs> I'll stop being mad at it. Oh no, are we still talking about <laughs> tragedies? <laughs> I mean, we can talk about tragedies all you want. Like the combination of Modern Warfare and Infinite Warfare. Oh, oh yes, gosh. that one's that one left me kind of sour fact that they basically remastered one of my favorite games of all time and did it pretty good it was pretty well made remake too but then they're he- they're holding it hostage in a special edition bundle of the new call of duty and then on top of that they have the audacity to like only release half the maps release the other half of the maps as quote-unquote free dlc as a token of their gratitude for people buying it uh-huh. And then adding <laughs> microtransactions so you can get new cosmetic items and random loot crates like Overwatch. It's I... like, what are you doing, Activision? Just stop. You literally, all you have to do is just release Call of Duty 4 with better graphics for like $20, and we would have been golden. But it, didn't, it... it didn't happen. Is it all the same weapons? For now, but uh, data miners have found new weapons in the code. So they will be adding new weapons in the future. That is the one thing that I was worried that they were going to do to Call of Duty 4, was add new weapons. It was so, I mean, it wasn't that balanced, but it was so perfect with the amount of weapons and the weapons they had. Because everyone used to it, everyone felt comfortable with whatever weapons they had. And there weren't those crazy amount of weapons, crazy DLC weapons that only people could use if they bought it and... Which was awesome about Call of Duty 4. And now they're it up again. <laughs> See, here's the thing. They actually did go back and rebalance a lot of the game. The uh, super huge mini nuke grenades, they they toned that down. So you can't spam wow. them as easily. Uh, the M40 being the best sniper in the entire game, they toned that down a little bit. Bring it back in line with like the R700 and stuff like that. So that was good. Some of the other assault I... rifles that they brought back in line. So, like, it was pretty well balanced. It was just like, okay, now let's start adding more guns on top of that. It's like, right, that, no, no. Stop. Please. <laughs> I, I, I was so used to the unbalanced of, unbalancedness of Call of Duty 4 that I almost wanted them to not balance it. Because <laughs> it was, I got, like, if you find your niche in Call of Duty 4, and it was, it was a lot of fun. And I just remember... <laughs> I remember having a lot of fun on Call of Duty 4 on the PC back in the day. Good times, good times. But yeah, so um, kind of that there. 
leaving Call of Duty 4 hostage. Shame on you, Activision. I thought you were turning a new leaf, but apparently we were wrong. Uh, but um, in other shooter-related news, uh, let's talk about the kind of, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, the dumpster fire that was Battleborn. <laughs> Maybe I'm a little harsh on it. Oh my gosh. That game comes out, and they're like, let's release right next to one of the biggest, hottest titles of the year. We're going to release right next to Overwatch, be basically part of the same genre, and try to compete with Overwatch. And it's like, what, what are you doing? You're like walking up to the plate, you see Blizzard Entertainment standing there, and you're like, let's pick a fight with Blizzard, who has home field advantage and more experience. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what are you doing? And Damn. it turns out that game died quicker than Evolve. Really? That game died out quicker wow. than Evolve. Wow. Yeah, because I remember I was it was so funny. Um talking to a guy who was like, Yeah, dude, definitely get uh uh get Battleborn. Don't get Overwatch. Overwatch <laughs> Overwatch isn't gonna be that great, but Battleborn looks awesome. I'm like, Did you already pay for Battleborn? He's like, Yeah. I'm like, Okay, man. And then like Two weeks later, three weeks later, Battleborn comes out as like free to play, <laughs> and I tried not to laugh in his face, but I was like, yeah, "It's your fault, dude." <laughs> if it had gone free to play, it might have actually saved the game, but it's still like a forty dollar game. Oh, is yeah, it? I thought it a... with like a hundred people was... online playing on Steam or something like oh, that. Oh yeah, like that's if you went and bought it right now, that's money down the drain that you're not getting back. Maybe it was a different game that I was thinking of, but I could have sworn it was Battleborn. Speaking of similar games, kind of want to like branch off of Battleborn there and just talk about how over the last year, there's just been a huge wave of these hero shooters mixed with MOBA elements after the announcement of Overwatch. It's, yeah. There's been Paladins and Lawbreakers and Battleborn itself, of course. And probably like five other ones I can't think of right now because they all have similar names and look similar. Yeah. If to explain everything we're talking about right now, just go watch Video Game Donkey, <laughs> uh, his video on Paladins of the Realm, and you will see exactly what we're talking about about the Overwatch clones because that ex that just explains how ridiculous all of this has been. <laughs> <laughs> I, I that video cracked me up and I just could not believe that that like you know that that this game was made like what what the hell and people are like yeah this game's actually pretty good and it's free to play so I'll keep playing it I'm like okay you keep doing that man you keep doing that <laughs> trying to trying to keep my composure here I, I, I just don't understand <laughs> why like so many people were like Oh my God! Blizzard has this new game coming out next year, and looks looks like that. We need to copy that and make the exact same thing right now. Why have well, we not done this it's, before? It's what every single like iOS slash Droid like app is doing. Like those those new like those um those games on uh 
for for phones, they're all like copies of each other, just with like different skins. Like one's a shooter, then this one's medieval, and then this one is whatever. And they're all like just money making things, you know, just to you make they make money off ads and like the coins, whatever that you can buy in game, and everything is the same exact thing on uh it I don't know. I just I I I, I get really upset whenever I, I start talking about um <laughs> new game apps because everyone's copying each other and then when one original idea comes out then ten more will be there the next month. Yep. The exact same. Just weird because I've never seen anything like that happen on the PC gaming console market. It's always been on the mobile market I've seen that stuff and until now. I guess now it's a crossing over. Crossover of the century right there. I guess they just, you know, copy-paste uh, code a lot easier nowadays. I mean, that would explain Paladins. <laughs> the, the, Paladins is literally like like someone was, someone, they were the people who made Paladins looked over at Blizzard and was like, look, dude, I didn't do the homework. Can I copy yours? And the, uh, Blizzard, Blizzard was like, "Yeah, man, just make sure you change change a couple of the words so it doesn't look like we copy each other exactly." And then he's like, "Okay, okay." And that that's, that's what Paladins is. That's literally what they did. They took Overwatch, changed the characters' names, and then added the horses from Heroes of the Storm. Oh my gosh! That's like, and the freaking the soldier instead of Soldier seventy six. It's Soldier 87, you know. Just That's a big difference. <laughs> it's a huge difference, apparently. And, oh my god, that's stupid. To be fair, I don't know if that's his actual name or if Dunky was just kidding, but it it's shocking it's... somewhere still. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Mm, I'm actually, like, tearing yep. up right now because that's funny. We have one more thing left to talk about, to rage about, and then we're done. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so ready for the tea right now. This I think this last one's going to have the most long-term effects on the industry. So, because yeah. it's a good thing we're keeping it for last. But um, let's talk about. I know we already kind of did this when it first happened. Let's let's uh, let's re let's refresh everyone's let's refresh everyone on the Bethesda's new review policy. So for those that may have missed the news or don't remember it, back around what was it, October, something like that. Uh, or actually, no. I guess it was before that even, like uh, back in May when they were releasing Doom. But uh, Bethesda announced that all games that they were going to be publishing would not be, they weren't going to be uh, given early copies out for reviewers or press people, which basically meant that you would not be receiving a day one or like even day two review of their games. So if they were releasing a game that you really wanted, but you weren't sure if it was going to be good or not, there would be no reviews out for at least a couple of days after it's released. So you pre-order blind, or you wait a couple of days to buy it. Yeah. Which, you know, what? in the end, it doesn't sound like that big a deal. It's like, okay, just wait a couple of days to buy it. Like, what's the big deal? But then you remember that good majority of the sales happen on that first 24 to 48 hour period most of the sales will be before the reviews are out
yeah, I don't know. They're just trying to like boost day one sales or what? <laughs> I don't. I, yeah, I don't really know what their goal is here, except they're just trying to sucker people and to buy it. I I just. I don't know. Like the, the whole thing makes no sense because they still want you to pre-order, and then they took away those other stupid pre-order bonuses where you actually get other things. I mean, other things um, for pre-ordering instead of like you know just getting it a day early, which I still don't agree with any type of pre-ordering. But oh, they want you that. to pre-order. They want you to pre-order, but then they don't let you know what the game is. Basically. If you pre-order the game, you get reviewer access. You get the it at the only... same time the reviewers do. <laughs> yeah. That's I the mean... only thing I I can think of is they're just trying to control information about games before they come out. That's respectable, but it's it's I, still kind it's, of scummy. It's Bethesda. Still kind of scummy because it should be yeah, it should be the responsibility of the consumer to make smart investments. Yeah. But the fact that you're purposely trying to withhold the information just means like you're afraid that it's going to get a bad word of mouth and you're trying to cover that up. Because in the case of Doom anyway, people are like, oh yeah, they're going to try to hide reviews. Maybe it's not going to be that good. Maybe we should skip this game. But then when the reviews finally did start coming out and it was getting positive buzz, the word of mouth started spreading and people were like, oh, this is a good game. Let's go and buy it. And ended up being very successful. But then in the case of like Dishonored 2 for PC, for example, no one knew anything about the game. So, no, like, I guess you could pre-order it. And it was not until like the day after it came out where people were like, yeah, the PC version is really messed up. It doesn't work. It, it hardly works at all. If you wanted to get it for PC, don't just get your money back if you can right now. Do it. Just don't buy it. But they're like, if if we weren't in the loop, you may not know that. So it's like, how are we supposed to know if a product even works beforehand? Like, you're trying to get us to buy it before we know if it works or not. Yeah. I... With Beth I like Bethesda, obviously. And the only good thing I can think of is a way to sort of manipulate the way they're doing things right now. And it only works if you have a um, a console. Is that if you pre-order at GameStop, and you like put the $5 down or whatever, instead of like completely paying for it, you can still get your pre-order um, like five, I think, like you have like a week, I think, to pick up your pre-order until they cancel it. So, like, you can wait a couple days and actually see if it's good or not. And that's the only way to get around this. There's nothing you can do for PC to get a review beforehand. Yeah. It's like, I understand why they're doing it. But it's kind of scummy. It's anti-consumer in a way. And I'm really afraid that other publishers are going to start following suit next year. I mean, I guess uh, I guess the uh, smart thing to do is to stop pre-ordering games. Wait until you have definitive information on whether or not it's worth the investment. Probably, uh, yeah. Probably a good idea to be an informed consumer. 
an informed customer, I guess you could say. Yeah. But with all that bleak stuff out of the way, let's uh, let's start talking about the positives of 2016. Let's start talking about what we thought were some of the best games of this entire year. So I think we've each compiled our own lists, our own lists of our favorite games. But it's important to keep in mind that we each all have our own different opinions. And so our lists would not be the same. We each weigh different things with a different level of importance. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if one of your favorite games is not on one of our lists, it doesn't necessarily mean we think it's bad. It just is possible that maybe we didn't get to play it because we're not part of the games press. We're not reviewers, so we don't have the luxury of getting to play everything. Yeah. There were quite a few games this year that I wanted to play, but I just had to had to skip for whatever reason or not. So had I played them, they might be on my list, but because I didn't, they're not on there. And I, it's not that I think they're bad. I just didn't get to play them, so I have no opinion on them yet. Yeah. Uh, same like there's a lot of games that i'm i'm it's probably gonna happen the same t- same thing for next year because there's <laughs> there's so many games i want already next year and i know that with the limits the limits i have with financial situation my financial situation i hope i can play them all but i guess we'll see and um surprisingly enough as much as we all play together um our our video game like like we do like very different video games a lot of the time um i think think we haven't told each other our lists yet so you're gonna be learning what our top picks are along with each other so this should be entertaining yeah i think i think we're each gonna have very different lists mostly Are you going first, or who's going first? I can go first. Okay. Uh, Before I start talking about my pick or whatever, um, I think the way we'll do this is we'll start at our bottom, so like our number 10, or uh, depending on how big our list is. Because I I don't know know if we all have 10. Did uh, did we we get 10? I got 10. I did not get 10. What's the the, the bottom of your list? The uh, the number? Five. Five? Okay, so Noah didn't do his homework. Noah's got a top five, which is fine. So I think what we'll do is um, we'll start at the bottom of our list and we'll kind of like zigzag back and forth. And as okay. as games get revealed, we'll we'll all talk about at the same time. So like, if for example my number ten is like your number seven, well, I'll have you talk about it and explain why it's on your that position in your list. And then as we go back up, once we get back to like your seven. You'd just be like, "Oh, we already talked about this. So let's skip and go back to like my six or something." Just okay, so we don't repeat ourselves. Sounds good. And uh, for those listening, we'll we'll like just make sure we're clear, like what position we're talking about and why we're gonna go to this position or whatever. Yada yada yada. <laughs> Any other questions? I'm good. All right then. I think I'm all set. You're all set. All right. So I'll I'll start this whole thing here, and let's talk about my number ten. 
and then later on we'll talk about auto mentions uh when we're near the top but my yeah. my number 10 my 10th pick the one that just barely made the cut is a game that i thoroughly enjoyed but the reason why it's in a lower on my list is because it didn't really do a whole lot to innovate the series kind of just took what was already there and made it prettier graphically and kind of it actually kind of had a slightly disappointing story even though the side missions and all that were top notch and quality as far as series go but i ended up uh putting deus ex mankind divided as my number 10 I don't know if you guys are too familiar with the, the Deus Ex franchise, so I don't know if uh, you, you could like speak to that at all I, or talk about I why. I personally haven't played it. Um, I looked I into it, know. but I just didn't make the call because I was preoccupied with other games. I, uh, I've i never played any Deus Ex game. Uh, I thought about getting into them eventually. Um, I'm not sure if they're exactly my type of game or not. Um, so if I ever like have a have a time where I'm, you know, I think you'd like the newer ones. I'd recommend yeah. looking for Deus Ex Human Revolution because I think you can get it for like five dollars on Steam right now. And uh, I'd give that a try. I think you'd like it. It's a yeah, considering it made your top ten. I'll definitely <laughs> like I'll look for it. For those that are unfamiliar with the series, um, at least for the newer ones, they're they're uh, like a semi-open world. They're like hub worlds. Uh, shooter first. They're like from a first-person shooter's perspective, but they're like a stealth-based game with a lot of like close-quarter combat, takedowns, and hacking. And there's like speech options and stuff in between when you're like back at your main area doing missions or whatever. So if you like the shooter RPG hybrid kind of games, they're right up your alley. Yeah, I'll definitely have to give that a look. Because it, it looked great. It was just, I knew it was going to be a big time investment. Yeah, that was the thing. Like, Mankind Divided, The re- one of the reasons I was slightly disappointed is it feels like they might have cut off part of the ending or something like it doesn't feel like a complete game it feels like there was supposed to be like a third act and it never happened like two-thirds of a game so i don't know what was up with that but uh this one was a little bit shorter than human revolution although there's still a lot of side missions and so like if you go through all the side missions they end up being like a better story than the main story and they last a bit longer too so that's what i would get this game for is if you enjoy doing side missions and collectibles and stuff like that uh. But yeah, so it it makes a cut, only just barely, at number ten for me. And I want to hear about Michael's number ten now. Okay, uh, my number ten uh, is only number ten because I have not played it, um, but it is on my list because I want it really bad. I want it. I want us all to play it together, um, and. Uh, also because I've watched people play it, and because uh, it's just a, it's a the type of game that I've been wanting to, that I've been like just needing to play for a while, and it's a Total War Warhammer. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, I've not played it. I really want to. Um, 
I like the RTS, and I especially like RTS when it's a uh, medieval. And this game looks is really well done, and like there's a lot of aspects. Like it's obviously it's not just rock paper scissors type of thing. There's so much that has to go into it. I don't think it's as complicated as like StarCraft, but it's it's really good. It, I mean, you. I was watching people just play campaign missions, and if they played it wrong, they'd lose like almost immediately. <laughs> and, and I love. I think that's awesome about it that it's a there's actual difficulty in the campaign of an RTS. It that that's just awesome. Right. Yes. Th- that was one that I was curious in before. It's just it's just never got on the planet for whatever reason. But yeah, visually it looks great. I hear um, as far as the Warhammer aspect goes, it's pretty in line with the rest of the Warhammer lore and universe. So it's good to hear. It's, it's very rich. I haven't played a uh, medieval or t- I haven't played a total war game since medieval two. So that was, that was a long, long time ago, but it was, it's a fun series. I definitely like to give another, give it another try. It looks interesting enough to me. Okay. Uh, well, since Noah does not have a six through ten, I think we'll um, we'll go back around to me. Can... We'll go back to yeah, my, I my number you nine. Do two for every one of mine. Yeah, that, we could do that as well. So um, let's talk about what my number nine ended up being. And um, this one was actually the very last one to make it onto my list because I only just recently played through it. And like the reason why I didn't get to it sooner was because when I was first when I first played the game back in like March or like April sometime, I did not like what I played. It was part of the multiplayer beta. Mm-hmm. And I was really excited for the game, got into the beta, and then I was just totally turned off of it because it was super generic and does not did not feel oh. very good. And yeah. you, you know what I'm talking about now. Yeah, I do. <laughs> but uh Months go by, and I start hearing lots of good buzz about the game, the single player specifically. So I decided to pick it up during a sale, and I'm very glad I did because the single player portion of this game ended up being right up my alley and just one of the coolest things I have played in a long time. And so then my number nine spot goes to Doom, the 2016 version specifically for those that may or may not be confused by that i'm not talking yeah. about the old old one but uh, i i have i also have doom and i think i was gonna put that let's see i think i think i was gonna put that at uh seven or eight <laughs> we'll eight, pull... eight, let's, go, let's go with eight i'll put it at eight uh gonna, because i i one. liked it a lot and uh uh, yeah, I mean, you can go ahead with what you were saying. I sort of interrupted you. Right. Okay. So, like, Doom to me is just like, screw the story. It's still there if you really want to read up on it. And it's actually pretty good if you do, but you don't need to pay attention to it. Because all you need to know is that there are demons invading Mars, and you're a guy that gives zero fucks. <laughs> and there's demons that are trying to mess with you, so you got to mess with them. And you're doing all of this while listening to heavy metal music, which expertly composed, by the way, probably my second favorite soundtrack of this entire year. 
Super yeah. well done. And oh my god, that intro sequence where you're like getting off the elevator and the music is just ending. Oh, and yeah. then you cock the shotgun. Goosebumps. That, that's <laughs> when you know you're in for a ride with this game. Yeah. But like it, it doesn't just stop there because the game like the single player as a whole was really surprising because it's not only like kind of metal and awesome, but like it's well paced. I, I never really found myself getting bored of it. There's lots of collectibles and secrets to find, which the the looter in me just I appreciate that. I love my loot. Yeah. Same. And like it was well balanced. Like this is one of the few games where I was I was never afraid to actually use my awesome heavy weapons because I know I'd be able to get ammo for them pretty easily. Yeah, yeah. How many times have you played through a game and you're like, okay, I got this rocket launcher, but I'm gonna I'm just gonna hold on to it and save it in case I get to a boss or something, and then it never happens. In this game, I'm like, oh look, there's the medium sized guys. Let me pull out the, my uh, my rocket launcher and just start killing them, and then switch over to my minigun and use up all the ammo for that. And then I'll go chainsaw this other guy here. So I get all my ammo back. Yeah. (laughs) The single player was so well balanced and um, I'm, I'm just going to leave the multiplayer out of it because it made uh, my doom single player made my top 10 Doom multiplayer did not. Let's just say that. Doom multiplayer doesn't (laughs) even get an honorable mention for me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Did you end up uh, finishing doom? (laughs) <laughs> um embarrassingly enough i have not but that's because i have so many games that i've been playing and i how ocd i am about getting everything in in the in every game i i play um i have to get every secret especially when it comes to doom where their puzzles are you know they're challenging but they're not insanely challenging they just may take some time to figure out mm-hmm. I know I, I have a lot more time to put into it, and I definitely will, but I'm just so, like, you know, I need to get what that 100% on every level, and it's just it just takes me a while. So <laughs> right. I will finish it, I promise. I will finish it, but... I w- I'd recommend it. Because when I first started playing through Doom, I was like, okay, this is this is all right. I love that intro sequence, but, like, the game from there was just kind of like, okay, yeah, it's, it's fine. But each and every level got better and better just because the difficulty started ramping up and by the last level it's literally just hordes of those mini bosses over and over and over again so you're constantly strafing around firing huge weapons trying to get power-ups so that like trying to tend to power up so that you can get the most out of them while you're in this room and yeah. the boss battles themselves were really entertaining too they were, those were well done i don't know how many of those you got through but the the actual bosses with the help bars and stuff Awesome. Yeah, I got through two of those. I think maybe one. Yeah, there's. Uh, those are... I think there was three in total in the game. Yeah, I think I only got through one. I I haven't made it that far, and honestly, I've uh, I haven't seen too many of the actual new demons, um, that they put in this game. Like I've seen a lot of the old ones that are, you know, remastered to look amazing in this one, Mm -hmm. but, you know, have the same name slash are the same type of character from other dooms. Um, 
So I'm excited to, def- to get through this and actually see the new demons because I heard they're insanely awesome. Oh yeah, love the the, the demon designs. Even of these, even just like the reimagining of the old ones, they made them so much fun to fight because you had to handle each enemy in a slightly different way. Like there's the the big pinkies which charge at you, so you have to try to get behind them where their weak point is. Or yeah. there's uh the I think they're called the revenants. They're the ones that have like the rocket launchers the fly- on their shoulders. Yeah, those are the flying ones. The flying ones, yeah. So it was really cool how there was so much diversity in the enemies, and you had to strategically plan like which weapon you're going to use against who because you know this one may dodge your rocket, so you gotta try using something else or try to get up close with a shotgun or something. So yeah, that was cool. Like I think Doom single player was super well done, and it's actually a game I might go back and play through again because I did not take the time to go and get every secret, and I kind of want to now. You need to. You have to. Like it actually benefits you to, you to do it because like when you get new secrets, it actually like unlocks points to upgrade your armor and weapons. Yeah, and you need to go play the original Doom levels also. And yeah, I didn't find. I only found one of those. You can actually like replay re- levels from the original Doom in this in 3D. You only found one. I didn't look I very found, hard. I found every single one in every level I played. Well, I, and I, didn't, I didn't scour they, the map super carefully to find all the secrets. I need to go back. They and were well. They were well done, to be honest. And it was <laughs> interesting to see all the the same monsters that you're fighting now in like a very very like 2D version of them. Right. Right. Okay, uh, while we're still on our number nine slot, I'll have Michael do his number nine, and then we'll go over and see what Noah has put on his list. Michael, what is your number nine? Okay, um, this is probably going to upset a few people. I'm already triggered. I'm only going to say it's number nine because I have not played it that much. I literally got it today, and I have only played it for five minutes. So Pokemon... <laughs> Pokemon Sun slash Pokemon Moon, since they're the same game besides exclusives for whichever side, is getting my number nine slot because I have played five minutes of it. I know it's going to be great. I've heard it's great, but I have not played it, so I don't want to judge before I've played it. And I already knew it was going to be on Kyle's list because he I, I heard from him how much he loved it, and I'm ready to enjoy it. I wanted to make sure it got in my top 10 somewhere. So, you see, it's funny you mentioned that because <laughs> Sun and Moon made my top 10 list, and I'm actually putting it at number four. See, if I would have beat it, I guarantee it would have been up, up farther. But possibly, yeah, because yeah, uh, to be honest, the first like hour or two of the game is not that good. It's kind of a slog. Yeah. It's just like tutorial, tutorial, walk down this path cutscene walk down this path cutscene and you're just like just please let me go on my pokemon adventure already yeah just just let me be a kid who has no no parents looking after him and i'm just gonna go fuck shit up (laughs) as 10 year old (laughs) yeah my cousin's trying to do weird things i'm trying to go find dad (laughs) i need to to find dad (laughs) you know like once you get off that first island yeah, the game opens up a lot more, and that's when Sun and Moon really starts to take off. Like the story starts to come into its own, the island challenges start to become relevant, and you find yourself wanting to go out and find all the TMs and stuff. Like that's when it becomes a Pokemon adventure at long last, and mm-hmm. it's so beautiful. The game, 
actually has a story that's worth going through and like worth paying attention to. The new Pokemon designs themselves are great. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how often I can keep talking about Pokemon because I've already mentioned it multiple times in the past couple of months. But Pokemon <laughs> Sun and Moon to me are the best Pokemon games since Gold and Silver. That's that's awesome because I loved I loved playing Pokemon Silver, and I'm excited to play this now. You're in for a treat for sure. I I mean, are you sure though that all of the Pokemon designs were amazing? Because not not all of them. Some of the I, redesigned most... first generation Pokemon left left a bit to be desired. <coughs> Persian. <Yeah. coughs> and there's a couple of you new ones which Gar- it's Garfield. It's not. <laughs> it's purple Garfield. Yeah. <laughs> there's a couple of the new ones which not the worst designs I've ever seen. Unless we're talking about Bruxious. I hate Bruxious. That fish can die. <laughs> Fat lipped fish. But other than that though, like I think they're for the most part above average that's that's good to hear because i know in the last like at least the last two generations they've been criticized for you know really just not giving a shit on what their pokemon looked like i don't know like, what you're talking oh, about this one is a trash heap and it's literally trash and then this it's one li- is literally a trash it's really a garbage can and this one this one's a chandelier this one is a flying sword and this one, uh, yeah, I mean, this I'm glad that they... cone. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot about that one. <laughs> I'm glad that they started caring again. And Yeah, the, a lot of the designs in this generation feel more like animals or things related to Hawaiian culture rather than just an- random animated objects that don't make any sense. Yeah, and obviously it's going to get harder as they're going on to make more Pokemon, which... No one is saying that it isn't. I hope. I mean, because I mean, there's like what, like seven hundred something now. I think Obviously, they're gonna run out. Yeah, of... <laughs> they're they're gonna run out of ideas. But the fact that they're still coming out with original good good ideas for Pokemon's is awesome, and glad to see it. Totally. All right. Enough of our list for at least a little while. Noah, I'm, I want to hear from you. I want to get you in on this discussion. I want to hear what your number five pick is. All right. <clears throat> on mine, um, it starts off with Pokemon Go. Okay. Because uh, I enjoyed it a lot at the B when it first came out, and obviously played it a bunch. Um, and then along with everybody else, it kind of down died down with me. But then I realized how much I could fit it in between my everyday life, and I got back into it. I okay. realized how much fun it was. Just to like, you know, we all know how fun it is to see Pokemon out in the real world, yeah. Um, So it's kind of augmented reality kind of thing. But I felt like if this wasn't on my list, it wouldn't be a complete list because it was probably one of the bigger games of 2016. Mm -hmm. It was the first one of the first times a Pokemon game broke free from the dedicated hardware. So right, I. I, I, think I it, if it doesn't deserve a spot on my list for gameplay, it at least deserves one for them showing that they're willing to branch out from their own hardware. Yeah. I want to give a shout out to Pokemon Go for very similar reasons that you do. I don't think it's a quality enough game for the top 10 
just because there is a lot of flaws with it and it they're still trying to work out some of those flaws but i want to give an honorable mention to pokemon go for the reasons you said like it had such a huge impact even for just a short time but i think it's going to continue because i i could see starting next year where the influences of pokemon go are going to start taking over the mobile games and almost everything will have some sort of incorporation of augmented reality. Oh, yeah, easily. And even though it does not make my top 10 list, Pokemon Go is actually the game I have spent the most time playing this entire year. It has the most play time out of everything I've played this year. Wow. I, I've been outside Good. a lot this year, thanks to Pokemon Go. <laughs> it also has to say that it does require the most effort out of all the other games to play. That too. <laughs> It's not quite virtual reality, but augmented reality. Got to put a little bit of effort into that. Speaking yeah. of Pokemon Go, I uh, I did not put it on my list, only because I was definitely I was one of those people that played it for the two weeks and then stopped. I stopped playing it, and I haven't played it since it was big. I feel a little bit bad because I love Pokemon so much, but mm-hmm. uh, I don't get outside as much as I it's like almost needed to, to play the game. Um, or at least I don't get outside with enough free time, I guess, to go do things. And I, I thought it was awesome. I thought it had its flaws, but obviously that's fine. And they've been fixing those. And, uh, I liked it a lot. I don't, I, I just, I don't know. I felt like it didn't get in my top 10 as for, uh, video games this Mm -hmm. year. Well, Well, I guess, I'll see, we'll see for next year if it gets a lot better. I can, uh, I'll reconsider. I, I don't feel any shame in admitting this, but even though it's the game I spent the most time on this year, if it were not Pokemon Go, but some other Go related game, it would not have kept my interest that long. It would not have been the yeah. sensation that it was. So it is a case where like the brand name really carried it at first, but, um, I'm still kind of glad that it exists, and I don't regret any of the time I've put into it yet, or will still be putting into it next year. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see how they handle some of the more important aspects of it. Yeah, we should see. We got Generation 2 Pokemon slowly working their way into it. That being my favorite generation, I it's at least going to keep my interest for a few more months. Did they say anything about Legendaries? I haven't been keeping up. Not yet. So the only okay. thing we know about legendaries is they do want to have special events for them, like real world events where you have to actually go to places to get them. And okay. considering that's harder to put together than something over the internet, it may be a little while yet, or at least until the good weather comes around. Yeah, which which I I speculated at the beginning of when this first came out that you know they'll start they'll release like you know like in the trailer they'll release like Mewtwo and things like that at like comic-con type things yeah for a for like a bunch of people who are gonna love pokemon already to do that to have even more of a reason to you know enjoy the enjoy the the con that they go to Mm -hmm. unfortunately that means you know people are going to be playing uh have to be paying to go to go to these places and getting them but uh, i mean it's an extra bonus to already going to enjoy yourself at those things so I don't know if you guys uh, heard about the Lapras event or not. Uh, the the special event related to Lapras they did for uh, hurricane relief victims in Japan. Have you heard really? anything about that? 
No, I have not. What they did is they basically created a special event for um, the areas of Japan that were devastated by the tsunamis a few years ago. I can't remember exactly when, but they released the events there, specifically in those areas that were affected by the tsunamis. And they just increased the spawns of Lapras a lot. They're not even a legendary. They're just Lapras. You know, like, okay, Lapras, it's cool. But that somehow was enough to encourage, I think it was like 100,000 people to visit the area. And actually managed to bring in like over $3 million to the local economy there. Oh my gosh. I'm like, Jesus Christ. They can release... (laughs) Pokemon in certain areas to increase the economy of areas affected by natural disasters. That's awesome. That is pretty awesome. It's it's really cool to think about that it's bringing to tourism, and then but you also have these people wanting to pass laws against Pokemon Go because they don't want it. They don't want to be a Pokestop, or they think it brings the wrong attention to them, which is. I mean that's a that's another story to talk about later, but it's. I mean they're not necessarily wrong to think that. Yeah, it's it's just uh, interesting how much influence a video game is having on society, and literally people who are you know never think about video games and criticize all of us who play video games like every time they see us saying, doing, wearing anything that has to do with video games. Mm-hmm. Certainly one of the most interesting things to have happened in 2016 at Pokemon Go. Yeah. It'll be, it'll go down in history for sure. I believe it already has. But with that said, let's, uh, let's get back to uh, the top 10 lists here. We just uh, heard Noah's number five pick. And I guess that means the next lowest one we have would be my number eight pick. Um, this one's going to be a bit of a controversial choice because I know some people that have played it really either hate it or like it like I did. Um, but the reason why I found this game to be super charming and worthy of putting in my list is because even though it's a really short experience, like I think you can get through the whole thing in like three hours, but, um, it just had, it was just oozing of charm and was probably the showcase of the best art style I've seen out of a video game this entire year. Um, for those that don't know what I'm talking about, my number eight pick is actually Firewatch. Ah, yeah. Do you remember that? Do you remember when that came out back in February? I have not looked into it too much and have not played it either. So I'm interested to hear. So like the premise behind Firewatch is, um, you could say it's what some people would call a walking simulator. It's kind of a derogatory term for a game genre, but the basic premise is uh, you're, you're this guy that's just trying to get away from life for a while. So you pick up a job as a, a Firewatch uh, ranger out in the middle of the woods. And while you're up there, the only company you have is this woman named Delilah who will only speak to you through a walkie talkie. You never actually get to see her in person, but even though you never get to see her, just the conversations you will have with her through the walkie talkie are super interesting and engaging, but you can't help but fall in love with the characters. 
and all the all while this is going on there's this like weird x-files kind of mystery thing going on in the background where you think maybe i'm not alone on these woods maybe there's some weird government conspiracy going on there's weird things going on maybe there's aliens like who knows so you're like out here by yourself for the most part except with delilah's voice and there's just freaky stuff going on so it's kind of up to you to figure out like what's going on exactly and to try to get through the the summer without everything going overboard you know it's super interesting it's only like three hours long if you're able to find it on sale somewhere i strongly recommend it even though people will say that the ending is kind of a disappointment i sort of disagree but i I can't really explain why without going to super super spoiler territory yeah the the best thing i could say is just don't get too involved with all the sci-fi conspiracy things going on yeah i i i definitely wanted to look at it because i i heard that and um inside are games that um if you're looking for not that not necessarily relaxing game um but games that have a ton of story without having story you know yeah. are that and that you just you basically need need to know such so you need to play these games just because they're so awesome the firewatch and inside are definitely those games that have a lot of people been talking about and i i want to eventually pick them both up i would say of uh of those two that you mentioned or firewatch is probably the ones a bit more relaxing just because the setting is you just out in the woods looking at the wildlife telling stories of your friend delilah so yeah that ends up uh that ends up filling up my number eight slot there. Um, I guess I guess we're kind of going in like a reverse order now. So, Michael, tell me about what your number seven pick is. Well, just to remind people, my number eight was Doom, but then my number seven, um, and uh, it's probably gonna upset people again, uh, because you know I obviously love upsetting people. <laughs> um, obviously, uh, is Overwatch. Oh, because as much as I liked Overwatch, I don't play it that much. I don't like it as much as other people. I've seen people that are literally addicted to this game as much as they were addicted to League of Legends a few years ago or Call of Duty now. And it's uh, it's a bit crazy. It's definitely a good game. I like Overwatch. I don't like it as much as other people, obviously. Um, it is not something that I can sit down and play for hours on end. It's something I'll go into and play for maybe an hour and then be like, okay, I'm going to play something else. Mm-hmm. And I, I can see the appeal to uh, other people, why they want to play it for hours. Um, I'm not much into competitive as in like playing uh, to get to like gold or whatever the ratings are in that, in that one. Um, so I don't know. Uh, it made my top 10 because it is a good game, especially, uh, best, especially one of the good ones for this year. So uh, if I didn't put it in my top 10, I guarantee I would have been yelled at and or, <laughs> or, or worse. So right. uh, that's, that's what I'll say about that. Noah, did, uh, did Overwatch make your top five at all? It did. It was <clears throat> just ahead of... 
fourth pick and behind my second pick. Mm -hmm. So, pick. so, so your third one. Um, I I really liked it. Um, I wasn't big on TF two. Uh, but I did enjoy Overwatch a lot just because it was kind of like more MOBA y, mm -hmm. where it kind of brought the diversity of like characters and backstories into a game like our team based shooter like TF2, so it kind of made it a little bit more approachable. Right. Okay. Um, that being said, it does have a high skill ceiling, so there's a huge gap between the good players and the bad players. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think that makes room for a competitive league. I personally don't really follow it that much because it's kind of starting out. But it's also another reason why it's on my top 10 is it has potential to be, you know, an enjoyable thing to watch. Um, if you may not enjoy the actual gameplay, you just like the, like the visuals. It's kind of like a Pixar-y. has a good art style. style. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, so if you don't like playing it, it's always fun to watch it. And also, um, I'm interested to see if it branches out into like a cinematic series. I kind of hope so, because that's one of the most interesting things to me about Overwatch, was just the lore and the backstory that they were establishing for all the characters in this multiplayer-only shooter. I actually care yeah. about some of the characters and like where they came from and why they're part of the Overwatch team. And like those those uh, cinematic shorts that they release from time to time are fantastic, and they look like they're made by Pixar themselves. Um, where did you say Overwatch was uh, placed in your list? It was third, so third. it's technically like okay, uh, four and five. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Wait, no, one. Yeah. Okay, I think it's a respectable spot. Overwatch for me was one of the hardest things to put, put to put on my list because when I was first putting this together, I was like, "Oh yeah, Overwatch is gonna be my number one because it was like the most innovative and original thing." But then, like the more I thought about it, I'm like, "No, I don't really like like what's become as of late." And like, depending on my mood, my opinion of Overwatch changes a lot. Um, yeah, I I finally settled on it being my number five pick. Just just cracking that top five because I think there is still a lot of good stuff about the game. It's an original title. It's basically spawned a whole genre that's now trying to clone it like crazy. It's um, it does have that really interesting backstory and the the lore. So I'm really happy about that. And Blizzard's just been doing a very good job of supporting it over time. Some games tend to get worse over time, but Overwatch for me, developers really do care about it, and they've. They've been doing a good job releasing new content and updating stuff that needs to be fixed. So I've been very happy to see their their support of that. And, uh, any other final thoughts on Overwatch? Uh, not too too many. Not too many. I think we summed it up quite nicely. Yeah. It's good to see a new IP get some recognition there. Uh, looks like next on my list is my number seven. This this was also a hard one because it's it's a relatively recent addition to my list. And when I first played it, it was going to be an honorable mention. But as time went on, I found myself just thinking about this more and more, and just having all these fond memories. 
that I didn't think I had of the game at first, but it's just kind of cropped up over time. And it's kind of weird because this is a game that's been in development for seven years now. Uh, if that doesn't go away, I don't know what would, but uh, my number seven pick is The Last Guardian. As, as strange as that was. Um, the reason why I, I end up putting it on my list is because I would describe the game as a very flawed masterpiece. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> I, I don't know if is that an oxymoron. It might be, but um, like the oh, thing about is. the Last Guardian is, if the couple of flaws that exist in the game were patched up, it easily would have been in my top three. Easily, it's doing things that just don't that are just not being done by other games or other game developers. The fact that like the story does not follow the typical narrative of the hero's journey or trying to overcome a villain. It's its own unique thing. The gameplay loop is you basically trying to lead an animal through these corridors and I'll go over these platforms. So like, it's not really you in control. You're more falling along as a, uh, your pet Trico is uh gotten you around. But uh, I, I mentioned there's, there's some flaws with this game. Like the, the big flaws for me are the fact that the camera is super hard to control and more often than not is what leads you to failing certain things, especially the, uh, jumping puzzles and stuff like that. But like the the biggest the biggest thing about this game is like the biggest positive and negative at the same time is Trico, the the pet. <laughs> yeah. They polished the artificial intelligence of this thing so well. It's the most believable animal I have ever seen in a video game. It's the most believable believable dumb animal ever. <laughs> exactly. And that's where the problem is where like your enjoyment of the game may or may not depend on how willing or how cooperative the animal is. Yeah. Cause I've heard of some people who played through the last guardian and ended up saying it's their game of the year. And when they were asked about the controls and the difficulty of controlling Trico, they were just like, Oh, I didn't have that issue at all. But that may be because I live with cats and I'm used to dealing with uh, animals on a daily basis, so I know how they react to things. Uh, I'm like, yeah. that makes a lot of sense. You're not frustrated with that because you already deal with that on a daily basis. That makes, yeah. I. It's amazing how well they were able to make this AI, considering, considering that people can make that claim. And I know, I, I mean, I, I've not played it. I wanted to play it. But I, I I cannot I cannot think of the Last Guardian without thinking of Donkey's video of it, and <laughs> how much I laughed. And then talking to people about it, we're like, yeah, that's how the game is. That, <laughs> um, I yeah, there were like I, two I, parts during the game where I just set the controller down and was like, screw this animal, I'm taking a break. I can't deal with this right now. I just had to walk away from the game. But despite all that, by the time I got to the ending, and even though there were moments that they were, they were forced moments of sadness where you're like, they're being over the head. Like, don't you, you need to be sad right now. This is a sad moment. Listen to sad music. Aren't you sad right now? 
And I'm yeah. like, I'm not that sad because sometimes I was kind of like, oh no, Trico's getting hurt right now. Stupid animal. <laughs> That's for all the frustration you caused me. But at the, at the end of the day, despite all the bad moments, by the time I got to the end, I actually was like good friends with Trico. And I felt like there yeah. was actually like a relationship there. Not a, not a very smooth one, but we we worked through our differences, and the ending was quite well done. I won't spoil it, but like it was a satisfying ending. I will happily go and play through the Last Guardian again someday. Just think of it like you're leading a cat or a dumb dog or something. You're leading I mean... a cat, chicken, dog. <laughs> I mean, now that now that you say it, like. Since I already have so many animals, I I may be able to play that game a little bit easier. But <laughs> it's it it goes to show that the fact that it took them seven years to make it, and they made that animal so perfect that it literally acts like an animal. And I don't know if you anyone has ever paid attention to animals in other games, but they um, they don't act like animals. I mean, <laughs> horses. The best horse I've st- I think I've seen. Um, I haven't played The Witcher Three. All like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I was I was gonna say Red Dead, Red Dead yeah. for sure. It was mostly a joke. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Oh my god, that horse! Oh no! <laughs> no, no, Skyrim, Skyrim is yeah. Skyrim horses. There's, are... there's, oh yeah, you mean those mountain climbers? <laughs> Those are they're goats. They're part goat. <laughs> they're part goat. <laughs> yeah, animals are usually an afterthought in video games. So it's actually quite refreshing to see a game where like the animal is the main focus of the game. It's refreshing. I would definitely recommend trying it out sometime. Um that's word of advice. Keep in mind that it's it is an animal you're dealing with, so if you try to give it overly complicated commands, it won't understand what you're saying. If you're trying to give it too many commands at once, it'll get confused. And yeah. even if you give it a really simple, straightforward command, not quite guaranteed to actually do what you want it to do. You gotta be patient. Yeah. You gotta act, just act, think about you're leading like a giant dog, or yes. not not just a dog, a puppy, who is already ADD puppy. in general. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, need, you need to get their attention and then you need to tell them one thing at a time. <laughs> exactly. It was it was another refreshing game that came out this year. Um, Mike, go. All right, you're number six. Go for it. Okay, my number six is going to have to go to Salt and Sanctuary. Ooh. Uh, a game that not too many people um have heard about i don't know maybe a lot of people have it is basically a um a a souls game meaning dark souls or and or bloodborne um but it's side scroller uh which is amazing considering it's not made by the same people who make the souls games um it has this a, a close enough difficulty to it and same like same type of style with bosses and shortcuts and secrets and honestly if you love the souls games you need to check this game out even if it's just for the in-between of you know dlc releases for dark souls or the next bloodborne or whatever you're waiting for and you have that itch check this game out 
it is a lot of fun. It has this, and honestly, uh, it like I was I was itching to play a Souls game. Got this game. It completely satisfied that itch. So, sounds like to me, it's like a like a mix between Dark Souls and like Castlevania kind of games. Yeah, that I would say about that. You know, like with the uh, side-scrolling platform. Uh, like, mm-hmm. yeah, you can. And uh, it's for PS4, and it is out on PC on Steam. So. That's good to hear. Yeah, that was definitely one that I wanted to get around to, but unfortunately, I just ended up putting it on my backlog, and we'll probably end up getting to it sometime in 2017 between releases. So yeah. I'm, I'm happy to hear that uh, you liked it quite a bit. I'm looking forward to finally getting around to that. I, I don't know if uh, Noah played it or not, but it's good to see that. We're going to give some love to the indie games here. Uh, oh, okay. So, um, my number six. It's another PlayStation exclusive. But it's not... It has not been in development for seven years. In fact, the series is like seven years old at this point. Um, but the newest game of the series that I end up picking to play, it's the... Uh, it's one that a lot of people have been putting in their top threes. And unfortunately for me, I'm I'm not putting it that high on my list, even though I, I really enjoyed it thoroughly. Obviously, it's on my list. But uh, my number six pick is Uncharted 4. <clears throat> and I just want to preface this saying that historically, I've not been a big fan of the Uncharted series. I think one is actually a terrible game. I hate it. Two, <laughs> two is pretty good. It's all right. I, I enjoyed my time with that. Same with three. It's pretty good, but... Not fantastic. I will agree that the stories in those games have always been very good, but I'm always turned off by the gameplay. It feels like your bare bones third person shooter. Yeah. With nothing else added. Like you take a stock Unity asset for third person shooter and then you kind of just leave it as it is. That yeah, may be a little it's harsh, like, but <laughs> it's like specifically specifically the fighting in it, they never figured it quite right out and i heard um in four they 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 did something different slash fixed it and like you can go on yeah i don't know talk about i don't that. know if it's because it's on the playstation 4 now or something but i'm trying to four finally gets the combat to be slightly above average it does not hold back the entire game for me anymore like it, it's finally like okay this is this is the game i can enjoy this now and on top of that, they added like stealth mechanics where if you're uh, behind a wall or if you're like in tall grass, you can stealth, stealth eliminate people. So like, it just gives you so many more options when you're in these common encounters where before literally the only thing you could do was stand behind a wall and shoot people. You get options now. So I appreciate yeah. that. Uh, but the big thing for the story in Nocturne 4 is it's the best of the entire series in my opinion. And it it wraps up what probably should have just ended with three, but it wraps it up very nicely. And I'm kind of glad they went for a fourth because it's my favorite story of the entire series. It's just so much more personal than the other three. Just cause you're Nathan Drake. And in this one, you're actually having to deal with your long lost brother. You have, you have a wife now, so you got to deal with uh in the line between being a family man and a treasure hunter. Whereas in the other games, it's just like, oh, there's this treasure. Let's go find the treasure because treasure. <laughs> yeah, I 
There's, there's so, always, so much more on the line with this one. I always felt attracted to the Uncharted series because I loved Indiana Jones so much. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that they put a human side, basically, to Nathan Drake. Yes, and uh, if you have not experienced the epilogue of the game yet, probably check it out. Either play through the game or watch a video of it. Such a such a good ending to a series. And I hope they don't undo this ending with like an Uncharted 5, the Drake's return or whatever. Like Yeah. Leave his story as it is. Like just it's it's perfect. That's the bookend. Yeah. Having the series end on the highest note it can be. This is my favorite of all the Uncharted games. So it's, it's a series I normally don't like. But I'm willing to give this one its credit. <laughs> Yeah, just let let his let his son go go do things now. <laughs> Dad, come on. <laughs> It'll be just like okay, not too much like the the newest Indiana Jones because the movie wasn't the greatest, but it'll be like in the newest Indiana Jones. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Um all right, in our uh, top 10 zigzaggy list here, looks like we're now on to Michael's number five. Let us yeah. hear it. Just to remind everyone, uh, Kyle's number five was Overwatch and Noah's number five was Pokemon Go. Yes. Um, my number five is going to be Rise of the Tomb Raider. So a little bit going off of your Uncharted 4. Um, I... Uh, I'm attracted to these games too because of uh, their Indiana Jones type feel, um, and I just I if you liked the original the uh, original Tomb Raider um, that came out two years ago, one year ago from now, I can't really remember. I mean, uh, then you are gonna like this one. It is it is playing that game different setting, um, more polished. Uh, and it's it's got an amazing story to it. It's got more into Laura's actual actual like background, so you can actually learn more about Laura Croft. Even even instead of like it just being her going to find a treasure, and all you learn about is that treasure. It's got a lot to do with her past, and I thought that was really interesting because I had never really thought too much into Laura Croft's past. So, mm-hmm. and. The puzzles in this are awesome, just as before, and um, I don't know. I, I love history so much, and even even though obviously it's not entirely true history in Uncharted and Rise and Tomb Raider, it you know it just brings new light on things, and it's it's just awesome to to play through. So definitely recommend it. Definitely, and it's in my top five. So nice. I really enjoyed that uh, 2013 Tomb Raider reboot. Kind of yeah. sad I never got around to playing Rise of the Tomb Raider, but uh, it's another one on my backlog that I'll probably try to get to sometime next year. Uh, now that we've gone through all of our number fives, let's um, let's go through our number fours. Uh, for those that forgot, my number four was Pokemon Sun and Moon. And I want to hear what Noah's number four was. That's still a mystery to oh. us. So this one is uh, <clears throat> kind of goes back to some of my favorite games and as a, as a series. 
Mm-hmm. And it's the continuation of the Horizon series. So if those of you familiar with Forza Horizon 3, um, I believe this one is probably the first one that appeals to probably the largest audience out of all the Forza series because mm-hmm. it kind of incorporates more multiplayer aspects. So those people who didn't really like the single player grinding of the races and building up car collections, this one you can now experience it more with a group of people rather than just by yourself. Um, the map is phenomenal. Um, if you haven't seen some of the trailers or gameplay, the, they, it's set in Australia, and they did a wonderful job of making it um, both diverse and accurate to what what you'd see if you're actually to go there. Um, as far as the physics, it's, it does lean towards an arcade style, so more like your Burnout series. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not their simulation series, like their normal um, series, obviously. So it is focused a little bit more um, around fun rather than accuracy. So it is uh, it's another reason why it appeals to a wider audience. But um, I believe that this is the first one that I saw have a num- or, or the most amount of positive feedback when it came out. I don't think I've ever seen a Forza game that got as much praise as this one did. Right. It's awesome. I just have to say, this is probably one of the best-looking racing games on the market today. Maybe one of the best-looking games, period. Yeah. Gorgeous visuals. Um. Yeah, like you said, that the whole aspect that instead of being a racing sim, like uh, in the vein of like a Gran Turismo or something, it's a uh, all about the fast, loose, fun kind of a uh, zany island antics like a uh, burnout would offer you. Right. Got happy to see that it's uh, getting some love. Not really my thing, but uh, it definitely looks like a lot of fun. So I'd like to hear from uh, other people that have been enjoying the game to see if they would agree if they opinion that's uh, probably a top five contender. And then that brings us to Michael's number four. Um, okay. So ironically, <laughs> my number four is a number a number four in the series. All planned. And I I didn't plan it. <laughs> um <laughs> and I uh I, I I chose this game as a number four because I knew it was gonna be in my top five. I thought it was gonna be in my top three, but I got I got a surprised by a couple of games honestly this year mm-hmm. to where it got bumped out of the top three but it's i knew it was going to be in my top five at least and that'd be gears of war four okay. um just because i'm a diehard gears fan loved all the gears games um you know obviously we all miss dom but <laughs> this this game uh this, this game was definitely uh a good continuation of the story and we everyone was worried that you know they were going to mess it up mess up the story because we don't talk about gears war judgment we don't we just don't um or whatever is that that's what it's called right oh yeah i forgot that existed gears yes. of war judgment uh, anyway <laughs> this is a, this is child of gears <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> technically the next game in the gears of war series and it is very good the multiplayer is is almost 
exactly like playing Gears of War 3 multiplayer, except for it's more polished, a little bit different weapons, and it honestly is more, um, uh, what's the word? Uh, balanced. It's mm-hmm. more balanced than Gears of War because there was a lot of BS going around on the Gears of War 3 uh, multiplayer. Oh, you didn't like that one... sawed-off shotgun there? <laughs> this one is definitely more balanced than that, and it's a lot of fun to play. And in, they do they still have some of the old maps from Gears of War 3, so it's so much nostalgia going on all over the place, and you get to see uh, Marcus all over again, and now you get to fall around his son, um, his son's best friend, and um, another girl going around in um, oh, I, I forget the girl's name. Um, my bad. Anyway, for forgetting that. But you get to follow them around the post-Locust era. Mm-hmm. Post-Locust war era, I guess. In the world of Gears. And you get to see basically what uh, what was supposed to be a peaceful time. And obviously, considering there's a game, it did not become peaceful. Um, and if you loved the series and you were worried, I, I guarantee you, you didn't, you, you don't have to be worried anymore. This is a good addition to the series. You may not live up to your nostalgia because obviously not a, no game can ever live up to what we think the, you know, old games were, but this is definitely a good addition and I loved it. So. Kind of breaks my heart to talk about Gears of War 4 because I loved the game. <laughs> Gave it a good score when I was uh, reviewing it, and unfortunately, it, it it was on my list. It's not unfortunate. It was on my list until I played Doom, and Doom was the one that knocked it off into my like eleventh oh. spot. It just narrowly avoided the list, and like one of the reasons why I probably end up rating a little bit lower compared to everything else is because it really does not do a whole lot to push the series forward. Like, it introduces new characters, and I like the new yeah. characters, and it introduces a new enemy type, but those enemies are literally just robots that act like robots, and they're kind of boring. And then the other enemies are yeah. literally just locusts again. It's not necessarily yeah. a bad thing, it's just, it's not very innovative, and it's not really pushing the forward, series forward, it's more just like, hey, here's like a, it's like a remake of Gears of War for the Xbox One and PC. Yeah, it, it it I could see I see what you mean about um it's basically them continuing it based just for story's sake instead of continuing it for a better game or a new mm-hmm. a new game for gear for the gears um like series. And obviously obviously they're making a second one. Uh for I mean a fifth one if you've played the game. Um you'll you would know that. Uh mm-hmm. and maybe they'll Maybe they'll finally like introduce more things. Maybe, but yeah. With with all that said, I still very much enjoyed Years of War Four. I don't regret playing it at all. Like I said, it was on my list, and it just barely missed the cut. And I will probably end up being there for Gears of War Five early on. Um, all right. So moving on to our our third slots here. Uh, Noah's number three ended up being. Overwatch, and we can talk about what my my number five was. I 
don't know if you guys will have this on your list or not, but my number three was actually Titanfall 2. That, um, yes, Titanfall 2 was going to be, um, honestly, probably in the same spot. It's as, number three as well. It'd probably be my third, too, also. All right, then. Um. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was it was close. Two and three were definitely fighting. It was it was close, and to be which one was going to be my number two. It was my uh, number two on my list. <laughs> I think we're all in agreement that Titanfall Two is probably the best shooter of the year. For sure. Like, yeah. it was one of the most surprising games to come out this year. I didn't really expect much from a Titanfall sequel. The first one was kind of whatever, in my opinion. Like, yeah, the the multiplayer was kind of fun, and the movement was great, but there were not a whole lot of unlockables, so the push to keep playing that single-player... No, the the push to keep playing that multiplayer was not really there, and because there was no single-player campaign, I was never really invested in the world. But uh, they changed all that with Titanfall 2, and they actually kind of to everyone's surprise created probably the best single player campaign of a shooter this year. And like quite a yeah. few years actually. Totally blew me away. Uh I don't know what else to say that we had a pretty extensive review of that on our October episode or I think it was our November episode, I can't remember which one, but um yeah, single player wise Titanfall 2 super satisfying, lots of cool new mechanics for each and every level. Little on the short side, but it wraps up nicely. And multiplayer-wise, well fleshed out. Lots of good game modes. Uh, that movement in the multiplayer basically just makes the whole thing like super fast-paced. Uh, guns are satisfying to use. Uh, I don't know if you guys want to add anything onto it, but that's that's basically my summarization. So it's a very solid, complete package right there. Yeah, and also uh, that all the DLCs free. That too. Yeah, I, I for sure. Um, it was it was like the best single player campaign that I have played since like Call of Duty Four or like Halo, and uh, it was innovative in the ways it like brought puzzles into the first person shooter genre, and the way they used future tech is like so much better than I've ever seen them like so much be- more fleshed out than I've ever seen future tech before like in when Call of Duty has tried to do it it's not fluid and it's not that great and and this it's just I don't know it just it just all everything clicked for this game it's a shame it didn't sell very well yeah I actually hold a bit of a grudge against EA they picked the worst possible release date for this game had it come out like a month earlier or maybe a month later, I think it would have done a lot better as far as sales go. Yeah. Being sandwiched like a week after battlefield and then like a week or two before call of duty for any shooter is like a death sentence. Yeah. That's so true. And yet here it is us singing its praise with no signs of Battlefield or Call of Duty on the list. <laughs> exactly. 
Uh, it's kind of funny. I'm looking at uh, the remainder of our list here, and I'm I think my top two and Michael's top two are the same. Uh, yeah. I, I, th- I, think, I so. think we have the same top two. <laughs> so uh, moving on to our number twos. My number two is actually kind of like a, rev- a revival of a previous series I played a lot when I was like younger. I had forgotten about for the longest time up until this little indie jar indie gem came out sometime in February that I had not seen anyone talk about until after it came out. Uh, but like this is probably the game I spent the second most amount of time on this entire year. And yeah. uh, that title is Stardew Valley. Yeah. Stardew is my second also. Oh my God. We do have like, the same top three. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I didn't, we didn't plan this. I swear. I, I, like I said, I almost put Titanfall two as, as my number two because, because of how much I loved the campaign. Mm-hmm. But with 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 the announcement of Stardew Valley uh, DLC and just how much I've already put into it, I I had to put it as my number two because I already know how much I'm gonna play it as soon as the new DLC comes out. Wait until they add multiplayer. Oh gosh! And when they add multiplayer, that's like all we're gonna play for like a month. For those that don't know much about Stardew Valley. Um, if you've ever heard of the Harvest Moon series, you basically take the best aspects of those and then have it be created by just a single person that absolutely adores the series and releases it on Steam for a relatively inexpensive price. I think it was like $15 it was, when it first came out. I think it was 20 20 or something like that. It's, it's pretty affordable. But this game is like the definition of just like a few more minutes just a few more minutes and i'll be done <laughs> just one more day basically that, yeah that's the thing you're you just arrive on your grandfather's farm you're the one taking it over it's a, it's kind of a mess so you spend every day either cleaning up the farm planting crops going fishing making new friends going mining there's so much to do that you can never fit all of this in one day, like one in-game day. You have to go back home to your farm and rest overnight. And so you will always find yourself in this position where, like, okay, there's five things I want to go do right now, but I'm only going to have time for two. So let me go do these two things today, and then I'll go do these two other things tomorrow, but maybe with that plan, something will come up, and you're like, oh, I got to go do this thing now because now is the only day I can do it. It's going to throw on my schedule, but I still need to go do this other stuff. And you're just like constantly micromanaging your farm yeah. and trying to handle all these resources and make sure you remember the water your crops so they don't die so you can make a profit at the end of the season. Like, it's a lot of busy work, and some people will not like that. But for me, this game brought me so much entertainment this year. So charming. Like, the characters are great. I am very much looking forward to uh, the one guy continuing to support this game through the next year. Uh, like we said, a Xbox one and PlayStation four version just came out. So that's now available for a big audience there. And a switch version should be coming out sometime next year. This, this game is uh, like crazy to think about that one person made it. And I know we've praised it 
so much already at this point, but definitely, definitely pick it up for sure. <laughs> uh, with that said, we we've actually made it to the top of our list here. We're we're all at number one unnamed games here. Um, okay. on three, everyone say you're. you're, you're... Uh, let's not do that. I feel like I'm going to be the only one. Let's Noah, go. I think Noah's will be different than yeah, us. Yeah, I know it's okay. <laughs> we, we we already know. Uh, yes, uh, Noah, go ahead. What what is your number one game of 2016? So you guys probably already know this, but Civ Six came out earlier this year, around mm-hmm. September, I believe. It easily snuck into my first spot on my game game of the year. Um, just because I've enjoyed, I think, every Civ game since I've started playing, which I started back around 3 and 4, which were like, I don't know. They're great, but, you know, need to work. Uh, Civ 5 brought a lot of new ideas to Civ as far as mechanics go, um, but it kind of got messed up a little bit with some DLC and, like, they changed things around. So I think Civ 6 is the first Civ that on launch is probably as complete as some of their previous games, even after they got patches and added content later. Um, Just because I think they fleshed out some of the areas where you kind of just glossed over in the gameplay beforehand, but now you actually have to think about it and use a little bit more strategy than before. So like cities have become much more in-depth now that to where you have to plan them almost to a building by building level um they've fleshed out culture and religion to where it's not not like kind of this subcategory for victory and it's not you know dominated by science or domination so that they're actual viable options now um they've added a number of supporting military units so that you know the fighting in the game isn't just whoever can click faster now. It actually involves some strategic uh, planning on your part to do well. I just think overall it's it's a, it's a nice game and it turned out really well for them. I'm so glad to hear I, that. Yeah, I, I always, whenever I played Civ games, I was always like, there's something missing. There's something that they could have done better. And I'm super glad to hear that they finally are you know, making huge strides in making it balanced and fun all around and definitely um, uh, a lot more uh, what, uh, like a lot more strategy involved and less um, less like I'm just going to bombard you with this or I'm just going to focus on this and you can't do anything about it type of thing. They've also changed it a lot to where it's really hard for someone to get super far ahead where it's usually when you're playing a game, you can always see someone who's dominant and it usually takes the cooperation of the lesser players to take down whoever's on top. And now they've kind of balanced the mechanics to where even if you guys are specializing in different things, you're still competitive um, in the game. So I think it's a nice touch as well. So, like, they fixed the score system so it doesn't, like, account for the way one person is playing so they get the most points and stuff. Right. So, like, someone who's going, like, a military victory 
where science isn't going to get a whole bunch of points from taking cities and getting wonders and researching things opposed to someone going for cultural or religion victory. That's awesome. I, I, I know both me and Kyle will eventually be picking this up so we can play with it, with you and learn, learn it too. But mm-hmm. um, it's just so much time that will go into it. And that is, I, uh, that is the one downside is this one has a larger learning curve than previous civs. Yeah. Just because they've added a little bit more of in-depth gameplay to it. That almost scares me. I don't feel like I've actually learned how to play Civ Five yet. I don't want to learn. I just want to play. Yeah, the old one allowed you to just mash enter for a lot of your turns, but this one you're you find yourself actually, you know, doing things every turn instead of just waiting for stuff to happen. That's good to hear. I was I was actually gonna like wait and uh pick up like a game of the year bundle or DLC bundle for this, like uh, I did with the last two, but. It's really tempting to actually pick this one up earlier because it sounds like it's a actually a complete game, unlike the previous two. Yeah, I've enjoyed it thus far, and they just and they've just released their first Civ that was a DLC. I think it's less than five dollars. So oh, it's not bad at all. That's awesome. Yeah, and then I don't know if if anybody's a big fan of their scenarios, but they've also add scenarios to their DLC when you buy a new Civ, so. Oh, cool. They're scenarios that make it harder or uh, easier? It's like you can play historical scenarios. So, like, I know in the previous one they had, like, uh, coming to America and, like, mm-hmm. doing a first settlement and stuff like that. But I think oh. the first one for Civ Six is uh, revolved around Vikings and oh, I love Vikings. Norse history. That's so, so cool. If don't, get me, yeah, don't get me talking about Norse and Vikings. I'll start talking Does about... Did someone say February? Uh, okay, I'll start talking about God of War 4 and we won't... Well, this episode will <laughs> take like two more hours. <laughs> yeah, Sid 6, game game of my year. Noah's game of the year. That's It'll awesome. Give it a try if you're a fan of the Sid series because I think it's the best yet. I'll definitely be doing that but, sometime soon. Good to know that it's... It's that highly praised. All right, so it's it's the moment of truth, Michael. <laughs> so I'm going to so give you the uh... honors of introducing your and my number one. Not planned. Okay. I'm just assuming we have the same one. Knowing our tastes, I'm 99.9% sure we have the same number one. So our, our game of the year is Call of Duty Infinite Warfare, right? right? Yes. No? No. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. Uh, it's 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 Fallout Four. And no, that was last year. Sorry. Um, Witcher Three. No, our our <laughs> our game of the year is Dark Souls Three. Yes. That was that was my pick. I was correct to assume that. What is it about Dark Souls Three that makes it your number one? Uh, it is a Souls game. Uh, it has the number. It has the number three in the title, and uh, it's very dark a lot. And uh, I'm sold. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I loved the Souls games beforehand, except for I know people will say I am a scrub or whatever they want to call me because I have not played. Um. The first Dark Souls, and I have not played Demon Souls. God, you're such I a have scrub. them both. 
I have them both, and I plan on playing them eventually. I do know they are probably more difficult than the most re- the more recent ones, um, just because of balance issues and the way you should play the game is almost it's a little bit different, and it's been modified through the years. But uh, loved Bloodborne, loved Dark Souls two, um, and this game is just like those two games combined and then a bit times a thousand it is amazing especially if you love the dark souls uh games even if you don't love the dark souls games give this game a try it is amazingly fun even if it is difficult everyone loves a challenge and this game will give you that challenge for sure i mean i don't know how much more i could say i just absolutely adore the dark fantasy world that dark souls brings to the forefront here uh, the way they handle lore events and just the subtle use of the concept of showing instead of telling you like what's going on. Yeah. Like there is stuff will happen subtle. that's important, but like it won't be very obvious if you just look around the environment. You're like, oh, like there's that dead guy there. Well, that's yeah. kind of a big deal though because he's uh, such and such from yada yada. If I had read this item, I would know that kind of kind of thing. But I really appreciate how subtle it is sometimes. The fact that the story is basically optional in this game is what makes it awesome to the fact that people who are not hardcore Souls fans can go through this game and literally not think about the story once. Just go through the action, pick their swords and armor they like, and try to kill all the bosses. But for Souls fans that really want to get into it and go through the story and know the stories of the other games, this is a continuation of that. And introduces you to new things uh, obviously it's uh, a little it's every world is going to be a little bit different um but you really have to look for this for the story in this game and when and if you don't want to you don't have to um like i said there are there are even youtubers who have played this game i won't name names uh, who don't know the story at all and think that there is no story to this game. Um, and you you actually... Like, that's why there's so many people on YouTube that do lore runs specifically to figure out the lore of this game. And the way they handle bosses in this game, I like the mix between... Like, they actually... like They, they won't admit it too much... But I like that they they put in some like bloodborne esque type things in it, like for specific bosses, for specific areas, and then you can also tell which areas are more more Dark Souls types of things. And the combination of the two is amazing. The um, even though the DLC came out super uh, pretty recently, it is also really good and adds on to um, the just the greatness of this game and how much it'll probably even get better with the next DLC. And this game definitely, definitely deserves game of the year from us. uh, I guess other people don't like challenging games or whatever. So they didn't have it in their um, top, top, uh, not, you know, um, uh, the game of the, the, uh, the game of the year people. So they didn't put it in there, but it's whatever. Good stuff. 
Uh, yeah, so I don't really, there's not a whole lot more to say about Dark Souls at this point. Um, it's been an ongoing series for quite a while. And although Dark Souls 3 is probably not the best of the entire series, depending on what you think, um, it's just one of the most accessible ones for me. Like if I'm ever, if I'm ever in the mood for a Dark Souls game, I'm probably just going to pick up three because it's like the easiest one to get back into if it, if you're not in the, the Dark Souls swing of things. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, satisfying game all around. I haven't even played the the DLC for it yet. I'm looking forward to that. Probably end up doing that sometime early next year before the third the next one comes out. Next uh, next DLC that is. So that I'm, I'm up to date. Um, before we finish talking about our best game, the our favorite games of the year, I want to see if you guys had any honorable mentions you wanted to talk about. I I have um, two that I want to talk about. We've already talked about, it, but like my two honorable mentions were Pokemon Go and Gears of War Four. Since we've already talked about them, I won't go over them again. But just for reference, those are honorable mentions of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, I have one honorable mention, and that is it didn't come out this year, but it's been made a lot better this year. Mm-hmm. And and it's still in beta, and that is a Paragon. I know we've talked about it a lot um, on this. I guess it's almost like we're being paid to or something, but we aren't for sure. We aren't. Come on, Epic. Um, we need that paycheck. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's with this most recent update. I think we talked about it last month. Um, it made it a um a lot more likable to play because it does not take as long um and there are a lot more balance and uh updates to it and honestly from a person who used to love and play league of legends all the time this is the next step up and since league is going a bit in a hole if i mean if you don't agree with me that's fine but i personally and i know you two personally think that league has gone downhill and uh at least for for non-competitive players. Uh, I, I feel like this is the next step. If you are looking for that type of game and you miss it, go go check go check out Paragon. It's a lot of fun. It's free to play on PlayStation. Um, I'm not sure about Xbox One. It's only um, on PlayStation and computer. And it's also free to play now on PlayStation. I mean, computer also. So you no longer have to pay for it, even though back when we started playing, first playing it, you did. And it's, it's uh, and like I said, it's the next step. It looks amazing. Graphics for it are the best I've seen for a game of that type. So I can agree with that. Definitely worth checking out. Uh, how about you, Noah? Did you have uh, any honorable mentions you it, wanted to well, talk about? actually... To clarify, Paragon technically had a release in 2016. Oh, did it? Their open beta was counted as early. Oh, okay. Um, I guess that makes sense. Uh, uh, but as far as on our mentions, I didn't really play too many games that came out in 2016. So that's why my list was short. I spent a lot of time playing games that have been out for a while. It just I got back into them. Um, so it was hard for me to come up with a list. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I did have five that um, fortunately did come out this year. 
other than that, I can't think of any games that I'd miss. Um, no, I don't know. Nothing wrong with that. Rainbow counts. Rainbow Six counts as an honorable it, mention. Yeah, cause... it's kind of weird. It came out back in December of last year, but right. it really was not uh, until this year where it hit its stride. Yeah, yeah they've done really well with the expansions and balancing that. A lot of people have gotten into it, and they're just announcing that their second year of um, basically DLC. DLC. Yeah. Is going to be added, which it technically is free, because you can get it with in-game currency that you earn. It'll just take you a while, <laughs> a long, a long time. But I, I agree with that being an honorable honorable mention because uh, we've given it a lot of praise, and like I said, we aren't being paid for giving so much praise to these games. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's okay. We don't. We don't want to be paid from. Ubisoft um, for PC games anyway. Um, wow. <laughs> sorry, I, I, if if they're listening, I, I was it was a joke. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if, but uh, uh, the, definitely Rainbow Six has is almost a new game in 2016, and uh, uh, and the shooters that have come out slash been updated in 2016. It is in the top three, to be honest. I would say, I would say for sure in the top three. It is a lot of fun. It is getting more of a following now. Unfortunately, more of a following than Titanfall Two right now. But in, in right now is a good time to pick it up because they're coming out with more DLC, like Noah said. And I think the first one for this year has already come out. They're Chinese the, or Japanese operators. Uh, yeah, yeah, that, that came out recently. Yeah, good stuff. Overall, I'd say it was a very good, ye- very good year for games. Um, shooters, especially, had a pretty good year with a revival of Rainbow Six Siege, Titanfall Two, Overwatch, and the like. Uh, definitely looking forward to what 2017 has in store for us. Unfortunately, I think we're uh, running a little short on time here, so. Our preview of 2017 will have to be saved until our next episode um, between now and the end of January. Uh, some of the notable games to keep an eye out for would include Resident Evil 7, Tales of Assyria, and Gravity Rush 2. Just throwing it out there because we won't be able to include those in, well, I guess we will include those in the recap maybe, depending on uh, what we see going on. Uh, the reason why we're going to save the preview for next episode, though, is because there's a big Nintendo Switch event happening on January 12th. So I think it's important that we include some of the information of that event in our 2017 preview, considering the Switch is probably going to be one of the major things to happen all of next year. I'd like to take a look to see uh, how the Switch may do. Because I think during that event, they're going to announce its price and release date, as well as its lineup of launch titles. So that should be pretty exciting. Um, yeah, but I think that's going to that's gonna do it. Uh, just to kind of go back over our top 10 list, for those that may have missed the order, um, my top 10 from the number 10 up to number 1 was Deus Ex Mankind Divided. Doom, 
Firewatch, The Last Guardian, Uncharted 4, Overwatch, Pokemon Sun and Moon, Titanfall 2, Stardew Value, and Dark Souls 3. And uh, Michael, what was uh, your top 10? Uh, my top 10, starting with 10, was Total War Warhammer, Pokemon Sun and Moon, Sun or Moon, uh, Doom, and then Overwatch, and Salt and Sanctuary, Rise of the Tomb Raider, and Gears of War 4, and then Titanfall 2, Stardew Valley, and Dark Souls 3. And Noah, your top five. So yeah, I had Pokemon Go, then I had Forza Horizon, Overwatch, Titanfall 2, and then Civ 6. Excellent. So if you're listening and you're looking for some cool games to check out, recommend every single one of those that we mentioned. We You have our seal of approval for picking those up. And we'd love to hear what you guys thought. If you disagree with our list, let us know. I'd love to hear what some people are thinking would be their game of the year. Because I know some people ended up being quite fond of like Inside and titles like that, which uh, did not make our top tens or even our honorable mentions. So we, we'd love to hear what your opinions are. Um, next year, uh, next episode, we're going to be doing our 2017 preview. So if you want to hear the games we're going to be super excited for and super excited to check out next year, tune into the next episode for that preview. Uh, but other than that, I think that that about covers everything. And Honestly, despite how good 2016 has been as far as gaming goes, I'm kind of happy it's at an end because next year is looking even better. Mm-hmm. With that said, have a very good day, everybody. And we are hoping to see you back here uh, in January for our preview episode. Have a good day, everybody. See you and have a happy new year. <laughs>